1: This is episode 18 of season four. Are you kidding me? I don't think so. (laughs) 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 Welcome to the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. I'm Mick all the way from Parkersburg, West Virginia. I've got Wiley Willis all the way from Chicago, Illinois. That's right. And I've got the one and only encyclopedia of hardcore, Steven Scopa all the way from Boston, Mass.
2: What up, what up?
1: <laughs> and uh this is going to be a good show because uh got got a little band on this time that you may have heard of maybe not uh but I know had a big influence uh on Wiley. Yes. And also uh I dug quite a bit back in the day and uh actually was label mates with them for a while at least when I was in Zao so that's pretty cool. We've got Jeff suffering from 90 pound wuss
3: oh yeah i was in sheldon once and these guys pulled up in a truck and they were like you boys are in sheldon so beware yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. you
1: know i in the funny the sad thing is i didn't get to tell him that back in the day i was also on i did radio here where i'm at in in the town i live in and we played 90 pound waist. we played that song quite a bit because people would call and request it because they loved it so that so sounds good. awesome yeah.
2: <laughs> it's so good
3: yeah um uh yeah so i'm not on this chat which i i'm conflicted about i in a way i'm relieved and then another way i'm very saddened because to me, this might be when, when Mick, when you reached out and said, I got Jeff suffering from 90 pounds Wuss, <laughs> I about lost my shit. Because to me, as a kid growing up in a Christian household, only being able to listen to Christian music, like, of course, like every, you know, person who's 40, 45 says, who grew up in a Christian home, MXPX was like their gateway into punk rock, right? So, yeah, of course, right. that was oh, mine. Yeah. And I, and I like MXPX. I actually think their new record's actually really good. Um, it is really good. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it was good. It was just, it, something was missing. And when I heard that first 90-pound Wuss record and Something Must Break came on, and then dude, it was just blew my mind. Like, especially the song where he's like, Thank Jesus for giving me such a blessing over me, yeah, and forever we will be free. Wow, wow, oh yeah, wow, wow, oh yeah. Like, dude, it, it was just like everything I wanted in music. It was this raw punk rock, but still sort of had like a poppy edge at times, you know? Yeah. And it was just so good. Everything about that record was so good, and I listened to that record so much as a kid, and so I was super nervous to do this chat. And luckily, freaking me without you put in another huge order because they're doing a, <laughs> they're doing a pale horses uh repress, and we're having tons of issues with their screens right now because of the humidity is so bad. Um and the whole X toll thing with yeah, we won't even get into that for furnace fest with them, but like we're supposed to print their shirts and we don't know what's going on with that. But like our our work is just running amuck right now. So I appreciate you guys doing it. Thank you for stepping up, Steven. It's cool that you're on a, a band chat again.
2: Of course, of course.
3: That's exciting. You weren't you, you, you the only fan though. your your wife. Was yeah, like my wife. So my wife's, and she wanted me to say this, but I couldn't be on the podcast, so I'll say it here. Her very first band t-shirt was a 90-pound wuss ringer tee. And she was like, you should tell Jeff that. Very cool. <laughs> I wish I could have.
1: It's, but... it's crazy that, like because i'm I'm pretty sure that t-shirt was in the all the uh the tooth and nail like magazines that you would get like when you
3: ordered something or mm-hmm. you know, so that's pretty cool, yeah, it was a long yeah. time ago, <laughs> yes <laughs> and I actually I actually bought that first ninety pound was album on record and I got the three inch. and I don't even want to tell you guys how much I spent on all that. I actually know how much you spent on it, and i I, <laughs> I, I, I won't repeat. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't want my wife to bury me six feet in the ground. But that, <laughs> it was that a was, while ago though. I was gonna it say that was before, a while ago. It's yeah. before we were married. Yeah. 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 So but it was you're, still you're a, safe. A, it was still a good chunk of change. <laughs> so yeah, we won't go there. But guys, yeah. it's so awesome that you uh did this and that you Mick, you set it all up, you let it. You got Jeff, and then last minute, uh, Stephen was available to jump on, so you guys really pulled through. And behind the scenes, you told me about the uh, interview, and I'm really excited to hear it. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a a good one. Yeah. Anything you guys want to tell the listeners before we get into it? Buckle your seatbelts, <laughs> 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 because this is suffering with ninety pound right. wuss. That's, That's right, right? Yo, Mick. Uh, Yo, Mick. Yes. Once you drop something, must break. Into right. getting into this. Definitely. Here we go.
1: Excited tonight to have the one and only Jeff suffering from 90 pound wuss, raft of dead monkeys, and suffering in the hideous thieves. Yes, I got them all right, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have a new band called Dry Bones, D R Y B N Z. So, one more. That's right.
1: That's right. That's right. I saw that. Awesome. Great to have you on tonight with us. Uh, Man, excited about this.
0: Cool. Yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> awesome.
0: We've been talking so, about it for a while. So I yeah. know,
1: I know. And uh stoked stoked that we could pull this together. Um, so we let's get right into it. All right. Okay. We're gonna ask, ask you some good questions, I hope. Um, so <laughs> here's the exciting news. Ninety pound wuss is back. Yes. How did how did, how did that happen? Like was has it been something in the works or just recent?
0: What what's going on with that? About a year ago. Uh I think it was last October in 2022 uh Jonathan Ford and his band Unwood Sailor played in Seattle and um I went to the show he was bugging me about uh not making much music um I told him <laughs> I had this record with Dry Bones that we were going to put out and we hadn't and maybe I I would do that and then he he started saying well what about 90 pound wuss and I said I don't know like that that's weird cuz John's dead like the our our guitar player, our second guitar player in the band, John Spalding. Both guitar players we had were John, but John Hamelberger played on the first record and half of the second record. Then John Spaulding played the other half of the second record and on the third record. So both of them were were in a, in the band for a while. Anyways, Spaulding like and I were got really tight and were. Uh, anyways, he died in two thousand eight of cancer. So I had never really thought I'd ever do that band again. And uh, I was like saying, who would play guitar? We started brainstorming. And then he said, well, I'm going to call the guys that I know at Furnace Fest and see if they'll bug you. And then <laughs> lo and behold, they called later. And there there was a, in between that and them call, Furnace Fest calling me was a funeral for a friend of ours in Port Angeles where I grew up, which is about three hours west of Seattle. And um, that's where Marty and John and our current bass player, Matt, live. And um, I went there, that's where I grew up. And that's where we started the band and M- Marty and John were there. And I mentioned what Jonathan Ford had said, and they said, well, if they do call you talk to us, we'd be interested. And I hadn't seen John Hamelberger forever and didn't even think about him playing in the band until I saw him. And then I was like, well, if they call that would be a good, <laughs> good possibility. And so um, that's basically what what's happened. We uh and the the our bass player Matt is he was in 90 pound Wuss for a tour and helped like write some of the songs at the very beginning of shorthand operation, and then um he wasn't in the band anymore for various reasons. But um so he's he's Marty's brother-in-law, so that's great because he lives in Port Angeles. We're rehearsing at his space, so he's back in the band, and I feel like that's that's good to have somebody that knows it. And then we added a second guitar player, my friend Colin, who lives in Seattle with me. So we both travel three hours to rehearse on weekends. <laughs> so it's been a little, um, it's been a, it's been a long year is all I can say. And it was all because of furnace fest. And so furnace fest is coming up. Um, I don't know if this will come out before then or after, but it's September 22nd we're playing. And then we're playing on the 21st, a Thursday in the afternoon at a brewery, called trim tab brewery if anybody is there thursday and wants to come i think we go on around three so um different sets some of the songs are going to cross over but some we are only playing at one and the other and the arrangement for furnace fest is probably the only time we'll do the songs the way we're going to do them there there's some medleys that back-to-back stuff happens and we skip some intros and skip some endings and go from one song to another. There's a few things like that in the Furnace Fest set that are special. And so um, no keyboards in the Furnace Fest set, but I think I'm bringing them for the Trim Tab show. So um, (laughs) doing that 30-minute balls-out, like, back-to-back, boom, in the the, (laughs) – Luckily we're playing at 6:30. I don't know if it's going to be dark in Birmingham. Probably not, but it, hopefully it'll be cooled down a little bit cuz I don't think our northwest asses can take that fucking heat at all. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be brutal. Right. right.
4: Prepared. I'm not a Who's i to not Who's going but everybody Who's have the right to be. Who's gonna break? Nothing. Who's gonna break? Nothing. Who's gonna break? gonna <inaudible> break? Who's gonna break? <inaudible> Who's gonna break? break till we die. I <inaudible>
1: so yeah that's gonna be pretty exciting playing furnace fest
0: like yeah kind of i and you guys have played some shows in the last couple of months right yeah we played our first show in 23 years on january or sorry january july 29th in bremerton which is great because uh bremerton's on the olympic peninsula probably an hour from seattle maybe an hour and a half but um it's the same sort of like between Port Angeles and Bremerton, that was kind of the scene. And so when we were started, we played a lot with MXPX, we ended up touring with them. I mean, they were just good friends early on, you know, the punk scene was pretty small in the Northwest, especially outside of Seattle. It was real small, um, West of Seattle in particular. Um, So it was great to play there uh, in Bremerton and the MXPX guys were there. And we've been, you know, hanging out with them. I'm excited for their set too. same day. I get to uh, do some stuff with them that night. It, it's going to be extra special. Awesome. It'll be like awesome. old times. <laughs> so yeah, That's we cool. played there and then we played our hometown, a uh, small um restaurant. My friend John owns that we used to, me and Marty used to skateboard with John back in the day. So it's cool that he has a restaurant that bands play at and it has like a stage and stuff. And so we, we did that too. Both were great for us to get, you know, so we have something under our belts. It's been a long time since I've performed, but even longer since Matt and John and Marty have performed. And Colin, too, probably. Colin's our new guitar player. He used to be in bands on the East Coast a little bit. Um, we actually played with one of his bands back in the day when we toured with MX and it was like a big festival. Anyways, I've known him. He moved to Seattle years ago. So But I've performed probably more than all of them in the last couple decades. And that's not very much in the last decade for me. (laughs) It's some, but not very often, not very often. I think in the last 10 years I did like a solo thing where I played some 90 pound wuss and some suffering in the hideous thieves songs with acoustic guitar. And then the violinist from suffering in the hideous thieves played with me. I did a hack version of hideous thieves with like a, our friend carmen was playing drums and um it was in portland so i put together a band and went and rehearsed like once or twice with them and then we played this house (laughs) show so it was kind of like a hacked together version of that and then i played with uh i had this band uh with matt johnson and ed kerrigan from blenderhead and um ian from he was in uh soul food 76 we were called Ronald Reagan Overdrive, and it was a punk rock cover band, and we were doing Dead Kennedy's songs. So we did two shows just covering Dead Kennedy's. That was pretty fun. But I was so bad at other people's lyrics. like the second show I had, I, I think I was a little stoned and drunk and i I well, I was. I had to look up <laughs> the lyrics on my on my phone. It was so embarrassing. So um, it was fun. Ed Ed is an amazing guitar player, and Matt is an amazing drummer, and Ian's a really good bass player. So it they they were way better than me. Um, plus, I, I I don't think I can do Jello Biafra as well as somebody else could. So
2: I gotta ask I gotta ask a question. Then, so all the all these things you're talking about, house shows and stuff. What's the craziest thing you've ever seen? At a show.
0: Well, probably when I I I was doing some performance art in 90 pound Wilson, I cut my arm open. I have a big scar <laughs> here still, and oh my blood God. was squirting that's... out, and like I was covered in blood. That was pretty darn crazy. I I don't I don't know if anything topped that. <laughs> the whole, whole show got shut down because it was considered a health hazard zone, and I almost died. But that was <laughs> yeah, that's that's, other that's than that, crazy, you know <laughs> Good
2: answer um, <laughs> I'm
0: trying to think of I, I saw a a show that there was this Japanese band. I can't even remember what they were called. They were a noise band and it was at this place I used to book called The Paradox that was sort of ran by a church that I was at at the time and they um so I was working there booking the Paradox and there was this Japanese band that um it was an all ages concert. And the guy just got naked, like on stage for no reason, and we had to like, <laughs> like my buddy Josh was like trying to like get him off stage, and like had to go up and like touch this <laughs> naked man and like move him around and like tell him no, like you got to put your clothes on, like th- you can't. Do- this is all ages, and kind of they were in a, ch- I mean it was mostly a venue, but um there was a church that met there on Saturday, and they kind of owned it and ran it, but they like I was booking the shows, and it was more that happened more during the week so that was a little bit strange um (laughs) pretty pretty weird yeah i mean there's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens around right i I don't oh marty marty wants uh and this like it's funny that all all that's coming to mind is 90 pound wuss and like nudity so um (laughs) marty (laughs) marty like once uh, during mxpx when we were on tour and i pretty sure it was in Atlanta and we were playing with spud gun maybe and, and, and mxpx anyways marty stowed, stage dived at, at during mxpx and he like totally like either threw out his shoulder and got a concussion it was crazy so the next like show or two yuri played drums for us because marty couldn't play drums <laughs> just... messed up dang yeah <laughs> yeah It was it was weird. I mean, the songs were a little slower and Yuri didn't know him so, so good, but he did a great job. We were able to make it through a set. I I can't like I mean, imagine Yuri's such a good drummer. I can't imagine like. Like listening to a band seeing them live but then all of a sudden being forced the next day to play their set for 30 minutes like you got to learn and those songs are so damn short that like you're probably learning like 10 songs like, right it, it was it was weird but um that was that was pretty brutal i've seen uh i've seen lots of you know hardcore shows where people get punched and kicked one thing yeah. that uh, i remember uh what are they called i think they're from chicago um an old punk band, uh, kind of hardcore uh, uh, hockey name. Um, slap? No, uh, that wouldn't be slap. Yeah, shot. it is slap shot. Is it slap shot?
1: Yeah, slap. <laughs> that's who I'm thinking of.
0: So that guy's a real piece of work. He's he's mean to everybody. And <laughs> yes. he came to Seattle, yes. <laughs> and it was their first show ever in Seattle. And this was only maybe like five years ago or something. Like it was, I think it was pre-COVID, but it was right around the same time. First time they ever played in Seattle for some weird reason. So me and my uh, Colin, who plays guitar, and we went to the show. Dude was like, like, like saying, talking the most amount of shit for <laughs> anybody I've ever heard on stage, and it was hilarious because there was yes. some like old punk rocker that had a big ass mullet, like feathered mullet, like that was there, and he, he was all had spikes on everything. But for some reason, he had a big like feather mullet instead of discharge hair. He had a big old feather mullet, and the the guy was like. <laughs> just talking crap about his mullet like from the stage like it like (laughs) like it was terrible it was so funny though and then he said something about like like people missing teeth and like making fun of Seattleites like as if we were like all meth heads and stuff it was crazy like he was such a jerk and that was that was pretty funny um we
1: uh steven and i know all about that guy because oh, you yeah, yeah. and i interviewed him last year
0: <laughs> oh you did yeah yes oh yeah oh yeah he, he's he's a he's humorous uh yes it's pretty funny <laughs> like I, I couldn't believe like how much of an asshole he was to the people that were watching his band i was like but this is hilarious i i, I just sat there and like we were just constantly laughing everything he'd say was just like mocking everybody and totally funny <laughs> yes.
2: sounds, sounds like boston
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it, oh yeah, that's where they're from. They're from Boston, yeah. not Chicago. Yeah. That's right. So Colin knows more about them than I did, but I listened to them a little bit back in the day, but they were great live. I'm glad I went. They're coming yeah. around here again. I might go see them again, but yeah. Definitely. Um, so
1: is is playing Furnace Fest in a couple shows, is that it? Is this like a like a one-time thing like you guys are doing or you got
0: something else planned or well is so there more <laughs> we re- we recorded the um uh the show the first show that we did and this sounds really great we've been mixing it so we're putting that out with uh um DCXPC which is a a, a label on the I think they're in Florida I think originally from DC but I think they're in Florida now I'm actually having a meeting with them tomorrow morning so um i'll hash out some details but it looks like that's going to happen so that will come out and most likely with it um if everybody in the band still wants to continue after furnace Fest, we'll probably whenever you know it takes like eight nine months to release a record nowadays right, so yeah. um whenever that happens we'll probably play some shows around it and it'll be like it's pretty cool because all they do is live punk shows and ska cool. some metal um and limited runs of vinyl that um you know are interesting this show sounds really good so i think it'll be great and apparently I'll, I'll talk to them for the first time tomorrow like in like this but um i've been uh chatting with them via text and uh it sounds like one of the guys there's they're they're a duo that runs a label and it sounds like one of them got into punk rock when he was 14 from 90 pound wuss so that's oh, even wow. cooler for them if that's true i'll, I'll ask right. them tomorrow but right. if that's the case that's way cool for them and also way cool for us to have like a old fan involved who's like you know they're not it's great because it's not tooth and nail it's like something new it's connected on the east coast which is different than the west coast here right we got hooked up with them through uh a band that we played with at our first show middle-aged queers who are this punk band from the bay area that um uh sean their singer used to book all the 90 pound wish shows at gilman street when we used to do them and so they just happened that we connected. They were coming on tour to Seattle like a week before. And I said, could you could you change that date and play with us? And so it was <laughs> awesome. They they got to play with us. And then another Bremerton band played um, called the Fibs. that um, Dale Yob, who used to be our, one of our bass players. And he was in the Cooties. Also, like he played drums in that band called the Fibs. So that was really cool, like to. That show was just great. It was so amazing. It was in a great venue, great sound. The recording sounds pretty good. I think our next show in Port Angeles in our hometown, we actually played a little bit better, but the show in Bremerton was better all around. And the recording sounds excellent. And um, I'm excited to release that. So most likely we'll probably do some sort of release show. Here's the the deal is, is that we're not talking about it until after Furnace Fest. Then we're all going to revisit. So I don't 100% right. know what the guys of... Are thinking, we've alluded to it. It's something that like as far as at least playing live music in my life, I need mm-hmm. to have happen. And dry bones, I don't know if we'll ever play live. It's kind of been a that band, uh, my friend Joe mendonka in Portland sends me uh tracks and then I add bass drums, uh vocals, whatever. I mean, it's usually they're mostly finished. Um right. and then I, I just add things that I think would be cool. So um that's how we put out the record. We have a, you know, you can go to drybnz.com. I I think it'll probably, there's a, there's a thing to buy the record and like we're on the streaming services too. We released the, instead of the full record, we released it as singles with a B side on the streaming services. So to listen to it the way that we meant, you have to like actually buy the vinyl because I'm hoping to sell those. I pressed a very limited amount, but you know, we're not playing live. We're not touring. And, um, right. you know, 90 pound wuss is obscure enough. So, uh, <laughs> it'll be, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see what, what happens to those records. It's kind of a little bit different. It's more noise and goth and industrial, but playing live is definitely something that I didn't know I needed in my life until 90 pound wuss started doing it. And so if the guys want to keep going and if they want to write new music, it's not going to be in a room together because I don't want to drive three hours every weekend next year. <laughs> but um, right. I will uh, Will we'll probably, if we do do something, we will learn the sort of new way of making demos. Me and Colin can make demos with a drum, with drum tracks here in Seattle, send them. They can make demos there and then I can write lyrics or whatever. So right. hopefully, um, hopefully we'll do something. I would be curious to see what opportunities that we do have um there's a been a few smaller like labels that have approached us which would be nice to work with somebody else but at the same time like i just released that dry bone stuff me and joe ourselves so i'm totally fine with doing that with 90 pound wuss we'd probably actually sell three or four hundred records if we made those if it's (laughs) 90 pound wuss so right we'll see though um i i like uh I like the idea of doing it. I just don't know. We'll talk about it. We said we'd talk about it after Furnace Fest. So There yeah, is I... there has been some brief mention from me that 2025 <laughs> I mentioned this to all the band like is the the like 30 year anniversary. Yeah, that's crazy. Of wow. of the first record and I was like maybe if you guys want to we learn all the songs from that record because we've never even played all the songs from that record. And we play like a show in Texas and maybe a show in California, because those were sort of like our bigger markets. Yeah. And if somebody would actually fly us out to do that and it would be worth our time, um, I, I think we would be interested in doing that. So if anybody's listening that has those connections <laughs> and wants to, it's, not, it's, it's a possibility. I would love to be able to be a band that plays like, four or five shows a year in different places and has the ability to fly out and do it. I don't know if we have that much of a draw. That's the thing is like, I don't know if it's worth people's time. Right. Um, Furnace Fest made me think maybe. Yeah. um, Oh yeah. And then there's a bunch of like new people connecting with us. A lot of them like are like showbread fans and like Josh has like talked a lot of good stuff about 90 pound wist over the years. So a lot of younger fans that are coming out to like and listening to our music and connecting with us seem to be fans of showbread, so maybe we we play with showbread. We've talked about that too. Like maybe doing Josh lives out here in Portland, and if they'd be willing, maybe we could do like four or five West Coast shows with them. I don't know. All of this stuff is maybes and possible, maybe so. <laughs> until after Furnace Fest, right? We come up with a plan. So we're not, it's not ruled out, but it's not, um, 100% sure what those guys are thinking.
1: All right, well. Back in July, you guys posted or you released a statement about some lyrics that you changed uh, at a show, and it was from in the song "Something Must Break." Yeah, and so, uh, of course, social media blew up. I don't know if anybody said anything to you face face or not, but reading the comment section and, <laughs> and hearing your guys's response. Uh, made uh, did two things for me. One, it, it reminded me just how good your songs are and how they're still relevant today. Even some, especially your older stuff or your newer the past the first record. There's some oh, things thanks. on there that like definitely like uh like I think you guys even posted the backward the lyrics to backward thinking. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But it also made me really wanted to have a conversation with you guys because I was like, all right, I see where this, I I see what's happening, and and so. Mike, I am I'm I'm told Stephen, I was trying to figure out how to ask this question. So obviously things have changed a whole lot since that first record came out. I imagine you've changed some. I can say I've changed some since the first Zayo record came out. So like, you know, it's been 28 years. So, um, you know, like, do you see things like now you guys are out and you're playing and you're kind of releasing some things from, Maybe a different perspective, or is that being welcome for the most part, or are people yeah. pissed about it, or like, because I just to kind of give a little background, like, um, for me, you know, I was in zayo I know what people think about the first couple records, and there's some diehard folks with that. But Zeo has progressed since then. And now they're a whole, you know, we're like a big happy family. Like I feel like a grandpa, those are my kids, and like we, <laughs> we all still chat and everything, and we're you know, we hang out when we can. And um, you know, like people have a problem sometimes with where they're at now, and then when I share my experience and where I'm at now, they get pissed at me. So <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, Man. you know, you you guys were on tooth and nail. I know and I just know that world. I just want to know if you guys have has it been favorable f- towards you guys or you, have you made both. some people upset?
0: Both. Yeah, it's been <laughs> both. Um so on Instagram, there's these people that like will like uh I'll notice started following me and I'll look and they're like 90 pound wuss is following them. I don't do the Instagram social media, I do the f- Facebook, like I kind of run that. So most likely on Facebook you'll talk to me or our buddy Maurice, who's like helping us with a bunch of stuff on Instagram. It's going to be Marty or Maurice. Um, so I, I there's been some people like recently, some people started sending me like responding to like, I, I tend to repost a lot of memes and other stuff. That's very progressive and more like liberally oriented. Um, and lately there'll be these people that, uh, like make some rude comments and they dm me instead of instead of actually doing it publicly so right. they're like total like like complete and utter cowards like right. uh there, there's no right. like they don't want to get in an argument and recently one guy sent me this stuff about hawaii and then i hadn't heard this conspiracy theory but apparently <laughs> according to him and this is just this week apparently yeah, yeah. like Hawaii Lahana was burned down by the U.S. government in order to get people out of their houses so they could build an AI ran city, um, in conjunction with um the elite, you know, right. Facebook and Bill Gates, whatever. Like right. I hadn't heard that, and he's telling me all this stuff, and like I'm just asking him questions about it because I'm curious as hell. Like, right. and, and obviously, <laughs> right. and so then I'm like, I, I I do a minimal research, and it's all debunked, obviously, but um. Right. The, the, the weird thing is, is that, and he's saying there's millions of people and all this stuff. So for me, um, stuff like that is happening. And then there's some people like on Facebook, there's a guy who DMs me who I knew when I was, uh, I was a evangelical church pastor for a little bit, not like a major pastor. It was at a mega church called Mars Hill church. Uh, Mark Driscoll, who's a, a real piece of work, uh, was, I I knew him when he started it before, like right at the beginning of that church, I, I joined when I was in 90 pound was me and Matt Johnson went there. A lot of people did. It, It meant a lot for our formation and early on, but, um, later it was really proven that dude was a real narcissistic kind of asshole. And, um, it really like, uh, kind of the end of that really, I questioned a lot of my faith because, um, I just needed to recalibrate and um, Mm -hmm. I didn't know what I was doing. So I wandered for a long time and did all kinds of sorts of different things before I even remotely landed. And it was weird because I landed on, you know what, I'm totally agnostic. And then within a week of me deciding that and having conversations with my friends and some other stuff, weird stuff started happening around me again that was like pointing to something more and then I just sort of owned it. Like, I don't know if it's because I'm conditioned. I don't know what. I definitely like the story of Jesus being God in a way that um, resonates with me on a whole different level, but it's about the, it's not about substitutionary atonement and all these things that I learned theologically where, where sort of modern evangelicalism has gone on an intellectual level. I think most evangelicals are, are probably, um, not familiar with their history or the history of the church or the theological presuppositions and theories very much right. and um i so i'm i know more than most of those people it seems and i was really started to get really bothered by their the the well what what did it for me f- and, and caused me to be agnostic in the first place was when when they voted in uh, trump and it had the evangelical christian vote i didn't understand because everything that i was taught as a kid by my parents and by my church and everything <laughs> was completely the opposite of the character of trump and right. so they sold themselves out for something that was not what they had proclaimed would be a good leader and then they made excuses like uh you know that it was a cyrus figure and all these other things basically right. they right. politicized their religion so much because here's a, the real truth is you cannot extrapolate pro-life or pro-choice from the Bible in a way that is very clear. You right. you just can't. Like, no matter what, they, they might tell you something, but the verses that they use in Jeremiah are speaking directly, God's speaking directly to Jeremiah in that verse. It's not for every person. Even right. the womb, when like John and Jesus, like uh, Mary and uh, Elizabeth are standing next to each other and John and moves in the womb like that was a particular situation in a particular person it's not about everybody and then you go back in history and you see that judaism like had a lot of different ideas and even the old testament a lot of different ideas about a fetus and like yep. um so i'm not saying that like i just became a grandpa this this last year and my daughter's pretty young she's uh was 20 when she 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 just told us that she was going to have a baby i'm totally happy that she had this child so me personally um i'm i'm okay but here's the weird thing is that they talk about this pro-life stuff and then they don't care about the people that exist yeah um it seems to be like america like has such high in incarceration like uh statistics and they're mostly like literally poor people. And so Jesus tells us over and over again to take care of the poor and the downtrodden and, and those who are the least of these and all these things. Like, it's really consistent. And so me seeing this hypocrisy and then seeing them vote Trump on a one-issue agenda um, really bothered me. And then now it's literally they're making up things about liberal people that are lies. Like, like I don't know any gay person, any trans person any any queer person or even a straight person that dress like a woman who's a drag queen or whatever like i don't know anybody who's trying to like indoctrinate children to be gay or queer and so they're telling me lies like constantly they're telling me lies and i know many queer people more than them. as a matter of fact everybody in 90 pound wuss has people that are in the lgbtq plus category in our families we have trans people that are cousins we have uh daughters and uh sons that are gay we have um uh people that are in 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 between all of us they exist and so all I, of us have personal relationships in a familial way with people on that um uh, that are LGBTQ so for us we're like damn what does that look like and for me personally i started reading like Matthew Vines i started reading like uh um uh bible gender sexuality like different scholars to hear what their perspective is how have you reconciled this thing and you're okay with it because it seems that 6 verses 8 verses whatever it is in the bible right seem to be clear well they're really actually not, not. once you start looking <laughs> at uh, uh textual <laughs> right. criticism and the reality of it it's just not as clear as you'd think it would be and right. um so all of that participated in and helped influencing me into becoming agnostic, which only lasted a few weeks, like I said. And then I was like, you know what? The truth is, I resonate with the story of Jesus Christ as God becoming what God made to show us that God understands the human plight and the human suffering so much that the trajectory wasn't glory like everybody's put it on. It was more like what Martin Luther sort of started espousing and other theologians after him that Jesus was on a thing of anti-glory. Like literally it was like the epitome of giving up of yourself to others. And this is where like, uh, I just recently finished uh, Josh Porter from Showbread, like his his book, uh, it's called um, Death to Deconstruction. The title had me a little wearied, but I've got to be friends with him. And I said, okay, I'm going to read his book. I read it and the main premise, he he lands on a lot of different issues than me, but the main thing is to me, it seems like, like faithfulness has to do with a lot of mystery and a lot of stuff that you can't solve and that you're just wired to sort of like that story. So for me, I can say, I like that story, whether it's true or not, I can't prove it to anybody. I can't. And I have no. Desire to prove that Jesus is God to anyone. I like that story, and so I like the things when Jesus speaks about loving your neighbor as yourself and all these things. I would like to practice that. I am not very fucking good at it. I am a crap Christian for sure, and mostly because of when I was quote, a good Christian, I realized that that's actually being a really crap Christian, and so... (laughs) There, there's like that dichotomy as and also the fact that like the other day somebody was speeding down our street like speeding like 40 miles an hour the guy was like and this is a residential neighborhood i like walked out in the middle of the street he turned around at the dead end and came back and started speeding and i just stood there flipping him off and <laughs> he so he 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 slows down then he gets out and i almost get in a fight and i'm antagonistic here's the thing is like In hindsight, I could have just like waved him down and been kind to him and said, hey, there's kids that live here. So I'm a crap Christian because that would have been much more (laughs) loving to my neighbor (laughs) than like, and I almost got in a fight because of it. Like he was like, and he steps out of his car and he's like this towering, like, uh, of course, like (laughs) Samoan guy, right? He's huge. And he's way younger than me, but he's like, he would have killed me. So I had to backpedal everything and just in the end say, you need to slow down. You can't do this. Uh, But it's stuff like that, that makes me remind, reminds me that I'm a really bad at following the ways of Jesus, but I would like to be better at it. And I think in this point in my life, that definitely the small platform that I has, that I have, that I've been given, which is, basically social media and through 90 pound wuss essentially maybe some of the other bands we've done is to basically say all people are created in the image of god god loves you that's it like i don't want to do this war type right. of culture war type of shit i want to do the gardening and the pruning and the the like like uh cultivating type of 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 work that the Bible speaks about because also the war theologies generally like are so misconstrued these days that they're not actually what they were. I mean, Paul was Jewish and Paul, you can read a lot of different authors that come up with different conclusions about Paul. But one of the most interesting I said was heard recently was on, um, the Bible for normal people podcast, which is Pete ends and Jared Mm -hmm. Byers, uh, anyways, um, She is a Jewish woman who ended up being a specialist in Paul theology and theory and just Paul in general. And she brought up this idea that, no, when he's talking about there's no more Jew and Gentile and all this stuff and that we're all one, he's literally talking about the human race is all together and that salvation is for all and that we need to actually be better people and take care of each other more. Otherwise, we're going to kill ourselves and be destroyed, which to me that seems to be i mean we got two things simultaneously going on right there's more education than there's ever been there's more right. women educated there's more access to like there's less starvation than there's ever been there's more um housing there's all these things are actually more but then we're we're in america and i live in seattle on the pacific northwest you got seattle portland and san francisco and then if you go farther south you got la and it looks like a barren wasteland in some parts. We look like a fucking third world country. There's like literally people that like can barely eat and that don't have a place to live. And there's outside of my work, the street gets cleared by the cops probably once every two weeks. And then the next day, there's a line of RVs that are trashy, just jumped up RVs and tents like right there, like sitting there. These like, there's people that need desperate care. And we pay our taxes, and the the way that we work, like literally, like I make probably the most amount of money I've made in my life, and I have the least amount. The government takes more, <laughs> like all these things, and it's ridiculous. I'm like, why aren't we why aren't we fighting for like universal health care and like universal housing and like all these things that most of the European countries have at least dialed into a point where they're not as messy as they could be. And yet right. still like we pay all this money. Like we get like this insurance, but I still pay Like I just went to the <laughs> dentist this morning and I have right. dental insurance and I still paid over a hundred bucks to get a teeth cleaning. I have issues with, I need a deep cleaning, but still right. a deep cleaning and some fluoride on my teeth. And it was over a right. hundred bucks. So what are they billing my insurance company? Five, 600. I don't know. <laughs> like it's freaking ridiculous. Like, how right. is that even a thing? Like I, so it seems to me that Christians would be more apt to um, do whatever it could take to help the poor and the least of these, but you can look at the statistics like with foster care, literally if every church in America took care of one or two foster kids, there'd be none. Right. Like exactly. paid for them and took care of them fully. And and that doesn't happen because there's a ton of kids in foster care and they they talk about like oh we should be doing this as the church not the state Th- they're full of <laughs> shit like i i was a <laughs> i was a an uh free market anarchist for most of my life and i literally never voted a day until i had to vote against trump and the, the thing that did it for me finally was as soon as i saw that footage of him saying yeah we just grab him by the pussy like Th- that shit that Trump said right there was like, I'm like, that's sexual assault. That guy should not represent my country. I am done with all my, and then it started changing to like, I'm not a Democrat. I vote Democrat right now because I see like DeSantis and Rahama Swami. Like those guys are fascists. Trump's just a narcissist. He doesn't care if he's a fascist. He doesn't give a crap. He just wants to be appeased and, and be popular and like, whatever like he'll do whatever is going to give him the votes to have power and authority over people but those other people they're literally fascist like you can look up like like this moms for america or whatever like, like, there's all this crazy shit where people are literally fascist with their christian nationalism and their idea of theonomy it's fascism and to me uh when i was a teenager and i first saw the like uh, uh swastika being thrown in the garbage sticker from the antifa early on like antifa stuff right like i was all about that so i've been antifa feel like as an ideal all my life i am not i've never worn black block or whatever and like wrecked shit for it but (laughs) um, (laughs) and there are those people i'm much more like of a pacifist in the way that or i want to be me flipping off the guy driving up the street is not very pacifist, but <laughs> I would like to be a pacifist in, in, in my ideas of how Jesus was. Right. So, over the years, those things have changed. Um, because I think at one point when I was a part of Mars Hill Church, I was really excited, like the the idea that that Mark used to, Mark Driscoll used to talk about with, um, you know. It was early on before this happened. So um, early on in Marcel's history, Mark Driscoll started coming up with sort of gender identities and roles and started talking about it. How he framed it was, we got this culture where men are sleeping with women and then they're not involved with these kids that are being born. So we should be better than that. And we should learn to honor women. And like all this stuff, like, right? It was easy as a young man who just got married to sort of be brainwashed by this stuff and sort of see some of his exaggerations as hyperbole so what turned me on originally was like the, this idea of he used to say this like a man's like a truck and they need a heavy weight in the back so that they can carry a load and go out of go the straight road and that seemed to make sense when i was younger now it's complete and utter bullshit but right <laughs> it did do that in a way that like uh I felt like this burden of weight to be like the provider and all this stuff for my family. So it changed the direction of my life, which I think helped and hindered my relationship with my partner, um, who I've been with since high school. Um, so me and her have been together forever and we have three kids and one grandkid, and all, all women, my whole life is women. So my whole, like, uh, the, any idea of patriarchy has been blown apart, and like I'm definitely like not patriarchal in any way, shape, or form because all I live with is women. So um, <laughs> that that is definitely all those things have helped influence me personally and changed me um, in a way that I don't I don't want to ever be duped by that bullshit again, and I will use my platform to speak against it. Um, Because I yeah. don't think, way, one, I think that the modern day version of evangelical Christianity and some Catholicism, actually some American versions of all forms of Christianity, some so, a lot of those people, not just evangelicals, are somewhat on a scale of Christian nationalism, and it depends which you talk to. In general, the Episcopals aren't, but it still depends on who you're talking to some of the traditions like lutheran and some of the other ones aren't sometimes catholics get wrapped up in there unless they're catholics like like joe biden right like he's a devout christian who actually goes to church every week as opposed to trump but he's a catholic and so evangelicals <laughs> have shit with them like it's so weird they don't even get it like they think that like they're the ones that well what i'm going to say is i believe that the evangelical church has been infiltrated by the spirit of antichrist and all that they do. They are antithetical to the ways of Jesus. And I will tell it like it is and just say that. So the good thing for 90 pound wuss is if we do make more songs, they're just like all of our (laughs) old songs that we're talking mostly about, like uh, health, wealth and prosperity doctrines and like televangelists. Now I just, I don't need to do much to tweak my lyrics and like um, have them talk about the same fucking things. They're relevant. Like you said, it's relevant. And so if 90 pound was writes new music, it might be from that. I'm guessing that it'll be more like uh, lyrically, like um, the bluntness and sarcasm of the first record, but with a more poetic side of the other two, but it'll be less internal and emotional because I'm much more confident with myself. And where I landed, which is basically, I'm, I'm, I'm probably a Christian depends who's defining it for me. (laughs) I like, I like the story of Jesus, right? I resonate with Jesus as God. I resonate with him raising from the dead. I like all those things in that story and I want to believe it. So I think that considers faith. In, in my opinion, like faith should right. be full of doubt and question and it should be full of humility. And so to me, that's where I'm at. Whatever somebody wants to label it is. I don't care. Um, right. So right. yeah. I, I long rant, long
1: rant.
0: <laughs> <laughs> See, and, and the crazy thing, and,
1: and this is kind of like why I wanted to talk to you is because like my life, uh, you know, I've been, ai was a pastor for over 20 years and I retired but um for, there was a there was a section of my life like where i was involved in heavily in what was what would become the evangelical church now basically the, the nationalist side of it um i was there in the beginning and it 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 bothers me to a point to where um i've had to i've had conversations with my doctor uh we've walked through some things talking about PTSD and some things like that but like legit the conversations with in those realms when it comes to life wasn't about life and the conversations of when they started talking about bills that they wanted to introduce in some states which is crazy because in one point in Ohio I was the guy creating the websites for some of these bills to come out and they would argue about which pro-life group was going to take credit for it and the money behind it and what happens if this group's bill passes, then this group's going to lose money. So they would sit and argue and fight and things started to click in me going, this is nothing, this has nothing to do with Jesus. It has nothing to do with the gospel. This has everything to do with money and control and, you know, manipulation and, you know, and I, I sat with some some guys who would be considered heavy hitters now that are trying to carry this weird nationalistic thing. I remember when they were first starting and I was there and all of that. And so when it we started, my wife and I and family moved out of it, but still had, you know, you know, still knew people. But I remember when Trump came on the scene and what they all said, this is the guy he's going to be the one. And I'm like, what? Wait, what? And then I remember, just like you, the quote that you said where you said he was going to grab some woman. I was like, I don't want my daughter to hear that. And then the next thing you know, it's like um, this whole idea of voting in some guy that was their answer. Like, I sat and looked back through my life of all this stuff. Like, I remember... I had to do websites for the tea party because there's a church I work for, but we did websites for the tea party, had to do websites for the tea party. I had to go to DC. I was in DC so many times. I don't know. I don't know how my wife just didn't punch me in the face when I came home because I would go and shoot videos for these. It was crazy. And then, um, you know, being taught my entire life, I'm 48 years old and my, I'm like, Uh, I'm like, we're the same age. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like (laughs) my, like on my side of the family, it's like, Four generations of pastors. And uh I'll never forget when that guy got voted in. I made a Facebook post that said um the church is gonna have to apologize to every generation since uh Gen X, because they just elected a person that they told everybody not to be. Every single conference, every single youth group, every single thing that they've ever done, every emotional, uh manipulative alter call whatever you want to call it they just put a guy in that they said you shouldn't be you're going to have to apologize to every generation and now we're in this moment where there's a younger generation that wants nothing to do with what those people are doing and they don't understand why that they're falling apart but they say but we got money yeah you got money because people older you know <laughs> that older generation has a ton of money it's gonna go and- away Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's eventually going to go away. And that's why as frustrated as I get and being on the outside of things and working through my own shit, um, but standing on the outside, I'm like, it's going to the future looks brighter because I know where my kids are going to be. I know what I'm raising my kids in. I know what I'm teaching them. And I see, you know, like you, I have family that are LGBTQ and I know how that world has treated them for so long. and but I'm seeing more and more people on the other side, especially younger, actually being open and honest and having conversations and seeing people as human beings. So I see a shift. I have hope, but I'm
0: frustrated. <laughs> yeah, me too. i i I, I, I kind of am on this experiment right now where I'm thinking of bringing. You know, it's been a long time since I've been Jeff suffering and, um, I'm thinking about bringing it on as a persona. If we do something new, I kind of want to be like, uh, I am called by God to speak the truth as a prophet and use the same evangelical language that they like to use, especially the, um, sort of like, uh. The Bill Johnson kind of camp, the one that's yes. more uh, charismatic. They they yeah. like to um what do they call it? The new apostolic uh Re- yeah. revolution. A-
1: Ref- those reformation. People,
0: yeah, reformation. They're they're very highly integrated into all of the stuff that happened on January 6th and yes. around Trump. So much so, like I don't come from that world. I come from more of the John MacArthur like uh background that doesn't believe in in the the, the, you know, the, the, what are they called? Uh, I can't even remember the term anymore, but the, the term that like they're, they don't believe in the continuation of the, the gifts of the spirit. Yeah, right. So right now where I, I'm landing, because I, I play music with John Hamelberger who is the most, as far as anybody in my life right now that follows Jesus and the ways of Christ, it's that guy. He he is um he's had this house church for decades. He leaves his doors unlocked. People can come in there. There was recently an epidemic of fentanyl on the Olympic peninsula, and he's been involved with multiple deaths and other things from it. So the people coming into his house, just from that alone, like are definitely the disenfranchised, the overlooked, the like lesser than the, the least of these people. Right. And he loves them and he'll go to like, he'll, he's got like some issues so you'll see in 90-pound wuss, he sits down because he can't stand for a long time. He's got some health issues that are pretty intense for him. And yet he follows he, – he will, he will go and like cut wood for an elderly person in his community or that somebody connects him with because he can still do that. He goes above and beyond anybody I know to serve and love right. other people. He embodies – in my opinion, the actual thing of being Christ-like. And he even like is, is, yeah, Jesus never put limitations on people and never forced them to do anything. So in some ways he's pro-choice, right? Like he doesn't necessarily hold to, uh, he should probably speak for himself. You guys might want to talk to him sometime, but <laughs> if he will, but I'm telling you, like, as far as in my life, like seen him and he's more on that side. He's more on the miracles. Like he's he's one of those type of people that like miraculous weird shit happens all the time when he's praying for people. And one of them is probably actually like me coming to terms with who I am as a Christian. Like that's all happened because he's been a part of my life again. And so I'm sure he's praying for me. I know Josh from Showbread's playing for praying for me like all these people like and it's made me more bold about like who I am. God loves And I love the story of Jesus. If it's real, it doesn't matter. I love it. And my life's going to be better for it. And I'm going to live as if it's real because right now there's a lot of doubt and there's a lot of stuff in me that, that isn't convinced, but it doesn't need to be because that'll sort itself out if it's real or if it's not real. And, And, um, the coolest thing is, is what I know to be real is I was raised by my mom and dad who are definitely Trump supporters 100% and they're like they're that relationship with me sucks right now but um they raised me to be this person who I am today and they really actually did like my ideas of Jesus are way radically different than them but they're the ones who put it in me so I don't know what it <laughs> right. is like, like right. it is what it is. <laughs> right. And, and that's the thing. And if they've gone off the rails, like I don't feel that I have, they probably don't feel that they have, but um, to have conspiracy theory, QAnon type stuff, like and all that stuff. And here's the weird thing is when they, they talk about like the new apostolic reformation talks about these like pillars of strongholds that are on cities and stuff. And, and, and they like, over-spiritualized spiritual warfare, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I think it's probably real. I, I've actually seen, when I was at Mars Hill as a pastor, I I literally have seen uh, a person, uh, what I would call demon-possessed. And we the only thing that brought that person down was praying over them and reading the book of Psalms, like reading Psalms to them. And then suddenly they were who they were. And this person was a Christian, and this person had, like, experienced uh satanic ritual abuse and some other things in their life according to them um but either way like i've had some heebie-jeebie weird shit so i am definitely not against sort of the ideas of there being spiritual warfare and all this stuff but i think they've hyper-spiritualized it and here's the way i know for sure uh, they they were convinced and called themselves prophets and they said that trump was going to get a second term um and and they said it was going to be in that term that it was supposed to be. It didn't happen.
5: Man, they're they all false
0: prophets. They yeah, changed every it single, now. Yeah, but every yeah. single one of them is a false prophet, 100%. Right. Like According right. to their own belief system, they're 100% false prophets. Right. So I want to take their belief system, turn it upside down, and point it to them as being antichrist. Not just the new apostolic reformation, but because it's not just them. It's conservative um, Christians that aren't into the gifts and stuff as well. Like John MacArthur. This is the first time I've ever seen uh, people that are completely uh, cessationists. That's the word. That are cessationists and those that are charismatics coming together around something. And they're coming together around Donald Trump. Like a fucking comedian <laughs> who's like a like a like a a talk show host, like right. a ridiculous like real estate mogul, instead of coming and they're demonizing like border crossing from people in South America who like are totally afflicted by like uh basically mafia and like right like, like, like war we- famine and drugs like what. <laughs> We're going to become that same fucking thing here in America if they continue to vote in the shit for power. And they're not even paying attention to Jesus who gave up power. Right. Jesus gave up power. He's, he's antithetical to every one of us. Like, like I, I, I've always enjoyed the influence and power that I've had. And like, I have to like, now I like need to like, like I've learned so much over the years, especially after leaving the evangelical church, um, last Sunday was the first time I've been to church in years. And I went to an Episcopal church, um, because they're one affirming and they're, they're all about sacraments. And I got to take communion for the first time in years. And it was beautiful and I loved it. And, uh, So you guys have actually caught me at this weird time of like, sort of like this faith sort of being reestablished. And it's literally because 90 pound wuss is playing again and I'm (laughs) hanging around with John. I'm talking to (laughs) Josh Porter. Like we're playing for, like there's all these Christians in my life in this way that like has made me remember sort of who I am and, and, and seeing the old lyrics in 90 pound wuss, that's who I am. I am the one who is outside of, the realms of christianity who's speaking into it i mean we you know from being in Zao, like here's this 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 thing like that we did that influenced all these christian kids to then suddenly discover stuff that was outside of their faith tradition and right. and discover it like because of that first zeo record you have people that fucking love all sorts of hardcore and start they got into chrome eggs or whatever right right, right like right. and we the same thing suddenly somebody's listening to subhumans and sex. here's the funny thing like i think so we recorded the same time Zao was doing like where blood and fire bring rest we were doing like where meager die of self-interest to me now that i'm older when i listen to those records they're like here's the metal version and here's the punk version of the same kind of fucking music <laughs> like literally right. there's octave chords <laughs> there's screaming uh, and there's like the sing-along stuff back and forth on both of them. They both got it going on. Zayo's just always way more technically able than I think 90 pound wuss ever was, but we did some different things. And yet at the same time, to me, those both records to me, they're like fucking two sides of the same coin. And, and, and to see, like, I just recently went and so Teresa, um, my wife, was a and R rep at tooth and nail for a long many years she was never on the documentaries and stuff because um she didn't want to have anything to do with it i i think a-, a lot of it um had to do with her uh realizing how much like essentially later like she knew how much other people were getting paid it was very sexist in in all honesty um yeah but uh uh so she decided, I don't want to have anything to do with that time of my life, except for a few bands. And so we went and saw Zayo last time they came to Seattle. It was so great to see everybody. And, uh, you know, obviously it's been decades, but the the person like Raft the Dead Monkeys, actually, we did a West Coast like four or five dates with Zayo back in the day on. A, I don't know, like it was, it was when Jesse was still in the band. And they had right. Dan wasn't singing. It was that one guy, um, Corey was singing for, oh, him for Corey a Darst. Bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he was singing for him, and and um, uh, uh. Oh, what's it? Rob was playing bass, but Scott was still in the band. So yeah. this last time it was great because I hadn't seen them. Uh, and 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 Russ wasn't in the band then, but but we knew him from being in the band before. So now. Like, it, it's, it was so cool, like, just to see these guys, like, uh, do this amazing music. They're so freaking good now. It's, it's <laughs> like, Dan right. Wayne is, like, the best vocalist in hardcore, period. And it's, like, it's hard to, like, hardcore and metal. Like, even so much, like, there's this band uh, that played a couple weeks after Zao played. I went and saw, they're from England. They're called Rolo Tomasi. Have you ever heard them? No okay so they have a they they're a great like math core band and their latest record they they've gotten a lot more metal influence but there's a female vocalist and when she sings she's very ethereal and pretty but when she yells she's the closest thing i've ever heard to (laughs) dan wayne's (laughs) style and so that's what made me fall in love with also Rolo it because i'm like that sounds like dan and it's a woman and (laughs) i'm fucking stoked so um (laughs) yeah but it's it's this it's this like it's so cool like just to see like how um these old bands and like it seemed like marty was the only guy when we were talking that's still definitely like he's 100 percent still a christian and he's like the only one but but you talk to the other guys uh that were christians before and they still have this connection like it's still there And they're still talking about it, but like, it's really interesting. It's just so freaking cool, man. Like I think we're this weird generation because we were into punk and metal and hardcore that can actually uh, sort of critique this stuff in a way that we wouldn't have been able to, if we weren't. Right. Um, And so when we see this hypocrisy I mean, we used to sing against this stuff, right? Like, right. and right. we've seen it happen in front of us. And it's a cultural thing. Like you talk about PTSD, man. Like I, I had to see a counselor for years. And one of the biggest things is after Mars Hill, like I went to a sandwich shop one day and there was a person there from, from Mars Hill with two, a couple other people. And they were a leader, another pastor I worked alongside with. I literally started physically shaking and sweating. Yeah. Um yeah. just running into them like I didn't know what to do with that. And that that's that's a PTSD reaction. Yes. So, yep. so yes. religious trauma is real and religious yeah. PTSD is so fucking real and it's been years to sort of calibrate and be able to get back into my own skin with a sense of boldness and one that isn't uh belittling my own uh personhood and my own ideas right um it's taken a long time and i uh i mean it's been like eight nine years since mars hill uh the dry bones record was sort of we started making it right afterwards and it took a few years but it's been sitting there because i was going through so much and so was joe the other guy i make it through that we didn't do anything with it it just sat there so i'm really glad that we Put it out because it lit that record is me processing my religious trauma like that's wow. what it is and so i'm really happy with it um and i hope we may i think we're planning we're planning to make new music so next year dry bones D R Y B N Z will make new music hopefully 90 pound wuss will too um all of this stuff is cathartic for me um i don't know have you started playing music again
1: yeah actually wiley and i um st- started working through some stuff and we do the whole demo thing. Cause I'm in West Virginia while he's in Chicago, uh, Matt Tyler, he's from, uh, California. I can't remember where he's from. He's in a couple bands. He's in, um, discouraged. And, um, why can I not remember the other band? Mm-hmm. He's in a, what's yeah. Tuning. Yeah. And then, um, that's a what, rad name tuning. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, they're a rad <laughs> band too. Yeah. Uh, And then Marco was a part of two minute minor with Wiley. And then uh, another guy who was a part of life force and what's the other band? It's a vegan straight edge band. What are they called? Uh, I can't remember Vanguard. Yeah. So we're kind (laughs) of like all sending demos to each other. It's fun. It's been a while, but it's been very therapeutic for me as well. Like, um, It's been a it's been a fun ride. It's taken us. It's been a two year ride just because of some some stuff that's come up and taking a little while to get this and that. But we finally are on track, and so it looks like we might be able to put something out. And it's cool because, um, doing the whole three sixty thing, like talking to we've been talking to Matt Traxler from Steadfast Records, which is weird for me because that was the first first label that Zayo was on. So, totally. so, so Matt, Matt's a pretty rad dude. He's been, he brought steadfast back and he's been putting out some really, really rad stuff and uh, just started conversations with him. And we are like working on trying to get this thing out. And then, uh, yeah, it's been very therapeutic. Very, very awesome. And uh, cause like you, I've, I work at a music store. And so every once in a while, someone will come in looking for <laughs> some stuff and, and I'll do the same thing. I'll start sweating, start like heart, anxiety and all this stuff didn't know what any of that was uh until i talked to my doctor and they're like yeah man that's ptsd and i ne- I didn't get it until like i think maybe last year that the first like you might know this like being a pastor at one point too like at the first year it seems like you always had to do all this stuff like you had to build this big vision for the rest of the year and you had to put all this stuff together and then you release it in january and you got to have this big push in january and february and then i re- you know I retired or whatever and not doing that. But there was still this feeling at the first of the year, this anxious, weird feeling that I have to have all this stuff done. And I have to do all these things a certain way. And I remember talking to my doctor about it and she's like, yeah, that, that's PTSD. Yeah, you're you're like totally reacting and responding to things that you were conditioned to do for so long. And you didn't know it was a traumatic experience for you. And now it's all coming out and you're still reliving it. Like, even though you're not a part of it, it's still part of your life. Cause you know, there's feelings of like, I'm not doing it. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm disappointing people and so it, it just a crazy mess. And then I started checking and knowing what, well, okay, that's what it is. So Yeah. So playing music again has been very therapeutic
0: to get through some of that stuff. So that's rad. Yeah. yeah. that I, I found the same thing, man. Like, uh, I did not know that I needed to be, Making ninety pound wuss of all things again. I mean, (laughs) suffering in the hideous thieves was so different than ninety pound wuss. (laughs) I'm curious to see what we'll make next because I know Marty would probably rather. Well, he's expressed it to me. He'd rather slow down and not play so fast. Although he's freaking great at playing that fast. He's a good drummer. (laughs) Um, but uh, yeah, it's I I I feel you, man. Like it's been cathartic, therapeutic. Um, I'm surprised. I did not know that I needed this in my life, but I definitely yeah. do. And I tell you what, there's another thing. Once you perform for people again, it's like, oh yeah, this is kind of a thing that <laughs> like as much as the anxiety that happens beforehand where you're like right. so nervous and right like that. The first time I was a wreck for the a week before on our our first show, and then the next i was fine until about a day before so hopefully furnace fest will go down well i don't know we're flying out like it's such a weird scenario (laughs) we're playing on like equipment we don't know uh, both shows like it's gonna be really interesting i don't know i'm just surprised that we can actually do it like and that there's people interested enough like what the heck like gorilla biscuits <laughs> and youth of today are playing What's
4: right the world? Like, that, that's how is awesome. that even
0: like i'm playing a festival with gorilla biscuits and youth of today what the fuck and, <laughs> and, and then all the new bands that are like great like Scal and zulu and gel yeah. all those. Yeah. i love those bands i've i've seen all three of those bands in seattle and they're playing a <laughs> callous boys are playing and i like as far as math core goes they're great um, right man it's so it's so amazing and then mxpx being like like we used to tour with mxpx back like it's so crazy and we've connected and i get a i i i get to sing like a couple like a song with them so it i'm i think Max is going to give me the whole fucking thing it's fist versus tact and i sang back <laughs> like i sang with them on the record slowly going the way of the buffalo and then there's another instrumental song that they do that i scream at the end i get to do those and it's like so like <laughs> I like having a midlife crisis. I'm all good with it.
1: <laughs> all right? That's right?
0: the truth. <laughs> totally. It really is.
1: <laughs> well, we always ask this is like one of the last questions we always ask and yep. we're going to ask it and we always get the response, oh, "No, I don't I don't really have one of those or I don't believe in that and it's bullshit." So, here's the question. What is What is your guilty pleasure? It can be music. It can be books. It can be a movie. It could be a TV show. Something that if people knew that you watched or listened to, they'd be like, really?
0: I got quite a few, actually. you want me to answer one? You said books? Yeah, it could be books. It could be like, yeah, yeah, it could be whatever. Blink-182. Okay. 100%. (laughs) Blink-182. Taylor Swift. Um, My kids listen to Taylor Swift, so I got into Taylor Swift. All right. Um the other thing is I am a big uh fantasy sci-fi nerd and I really 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 like The Wheel of Time. I've read those books, there's 14 of them yeah. and they're like really thick, like huge books, thousands of pages. I've read all of those before and I've listened to the audiobooks like 3 or 4 times. Um <laughs> and I'm watching the series and totally so much that I'm, it comes out tonight at midnight, the fourth episode of season two, and I'm <laughs> thinking about watching it and staying up late to watch it. Otherwise I'll watch it tomorrow, but I am definitely way into that.
5: That's awesome.
0: Um, those are probably the guilty pleasures that I struggle with in my life. I don't want to like Blink-182, but Travis Barker is the best drummer ever, so
5: I can't <laughs> not <laughs>
0: Taylor Swift is one of the best songwriters ever. Even if I don't want to like her, I can't help but being gravitated towards her stuff. And uh, The Wheel of Time, uh, great. But which led me into, so The Wheel of Time was written by this guy, Robert Jordan, which is an alias. His actually name is, uh, oh, I can't even remember right now. But he wrote under the pen name, Robert Jordan. He died before he finished the series and his estate. So his wife, basically hired Brandon Sanderson to finish the last uh, of it, which from Robert Jordan's notes, which became uh Brandon Sanderson is like the guy for fantasy right now. Like he writes the best fantasy books and he writes like all the time. Like he's writing all the time. He's releasing multiple books every year. Like boom, boom, boom <laughs> guys crazy. And so it led me to being a nerd for Brandon Sanderson um, as well and i read his books too so um <laughs> that's awesome yeah and it's it's like it's not like neil stevenson who's like neil stevenson lives in seattle and he does like more sci-fi kind of fantasy but he's kind of cool if you like neil stevenson you're kind of cool the cryptonomicon and like some of his yeah. other books you're kind of cool if you like him but if you like sanderson you're either like super into D D and like living in your mom's (laughs) basement or whatever you're kind of nerdy. So although he's probably the most prolific best he doesn't he doesn't write in a way like like uh you know like somebody who's a good writer would write he just writes these stories that are incredible and they're so basic and simple and his dialogue is so you can just you just fall in love with it and there's nothing like super over the top with his writing and yet it's so damn good and it's so basic and simple. It makes you feel like you could do it. Although you can't, yeah, Can't, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's right. like, it, it's like, right. and he's a Mormon and he's really like, uh, he's a Mormon. And, and like that <laughs> influence comes out in his books, like his religious <laughs> influence really comes out in these weird ways, like with this world building and all sorts of stuff anyways nerding out see like that's how much see, i'm into that stuff that, that's awesome so there you go that's all <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh is there anything is there anything that you want to like push or anything that
0: you want to like kind of promote uh i guess just the uh dry bones record d-r-y-b-n-z uh all caps um if you if you can listen to the music on streaming and like it we have a record it would be nice to sell those um to people who like vinyl so yeah that's probably it it's a lot awesome. different than other stuff that i've done but yet it still sounds like me so if you like that awesome
1: yeah we'll totally we'll totally put a link up for that and uh throw some 90 pound wuss uh stuff on there too get some links for your other bands too that'd be awesome
0: i hope 90 pound wuss i hope we will um have a band camp at some point and like There's a there's a song that we released that wasn't on tooth and nail. And there's some other stuff here and there and that live record coming out. I'm hoping that we will actually have a uh, band camp because I I like I I buy a lot of music on band. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to sort of be a part of that that thing. But we'll see. It's kind of a right now. Ninety Pound was is definitely it's a band and it's a collective and all of us have decisions to make. So I've been advocating for that and we'll see if it comes together what happened was we were trying to build a website it it fell apart and we're almost at furnace fest and we have this furnace fest exclusive vinyl that's coming out tooth and nail will have 250 copies of one variant we'll have the other 250 so what it is is it's basically a best of 90 pound wuss there's an essay by matt johnson an essay by josh porter there's a bunch of pictures um but it's remastered songs from all three records. And the A side shows that we always had this like sing-along pop sensibility on all three records. And the B side shows that on all three records, including the first, has experimental post-punk influenced hardcore songs. Right. And so it it's got songs from all three records and it's mastered, so they all actually sound really consistent. And oh so- that's cool. To me, it's the best way to hear 90 Pound wish right now. It's unfortunate that it won't be streaming um, due to royalties and whatever from Capital right. Christian, which is basically universal. We have to pay money even to have for every song, for every pressing on that thing. So it's a little expensive. It's a gatefold, but it's a single record. It's a gatefold because there's two essays on it and it's 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 turning out beautiful. I don't know where we're selling it, and I keep telling the guys since everything fell through <laughs> with the website, we should just do a band camp. <laughs> yeah, that's there you like go. <laughs> easy, hands down, people can get it.
1: It's right there. So, so what? Uh, what song you want us to to play us out with? What what ninety pound what song do you want us to play us out?
0: Oh, torment in tension. Okay, it's from the third record. That's awesome. probably my favorite one we play right now. We're we're actually really good at it it sounds great (laughs) awesome awesome well jeff
1: thank you for coming on the show we really appreciate it thank you for hanging out with us and uh i can't wait to see what happens next with 90 pound what's and everything else that you're doing thank you man thank you ah no problem yeah awesome okay thank you man thank
0: you
4: Records, Neanderthal Society is very proud to announce the reissue of a true Bay Area hardcore classic, Second Coming's In Denial of Our Impermanence. Remastered by Brad Boatwright from Audio Siege and reimagined artwork from frontman Joey Vella. it's the first time this title has been available in over 20 years. Orange Flame variant, Red Marble, and the Blue Marble are available at onescenerecords.com. And the black and white vinyl as well as the black set tape are available at Neanderthal Society.com.
1: We had the great Jeff suffering on and that was the interview rad time together.
3: It was fun. Super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool that you and him were very similar and ours still to this day.
1: Yeah. It, it was also crazy. Cause I forgot how close that time frame was, even though at the time I was at the ba- I was in Zail. We never kind of crossed paths, but right. the albums kind of released. Like I think, that first in that first record of theirs drop in 96 and the first tooth and nail sale yeah. record dropped in 97. So we were kind of in that same close time frame when all that was blowing up. So it was cool. We had a lot of, a lot of, a lot of similarities in some things. So it was pretty cool. Right. Yeah. yeah. I
2: like, I like the, the way you explain the, the, the coin, the Zayo and the, um, and his record it is, that's pretty cool yeah. analogy, you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's is, it is great talking with him. Great guy. Um would love to talk to him some more. He's very smart. Yes. Um, very smart guy.
1: I'm hoping, I'm and I'm hoping they continue to do stuff. Like, they yeah. talked about how it's up in the air until after Furnace Fest. Yep. So, you know, maybe in October or November we'll hear, hey, they got some cool stuff coming right. out.
2: And if you're going to Furnace Fest, you want to get me one of those vinyls he was talking about? I would love that. So, you know.
1: <laughs> well, Furnace, Furnace Fest will already be over with. So you're going oh, to have yeah. to mentally project oh, this to someone I'm gonna... now, and hopefully they'll pick one up for you. Right. Or message them. Or message right. You could do that. Message yeah. I could them do now. that too. <laughs> yeah. Already done.
3: Look, it's the future. <laughs>
1: it's the future. Um, but Wiley, you're, you'll be happy to know that they are releasing a live album.
3: From Furnace so Vest?
1: No, from a show they did, was it in Bremerton? They did. Yeah. And they said it sounded really, really, really good. So they're mm-hmm. gonna go ahead and release it with, so, I forget what label it was, but it's like a label that only does live stuff. Yep. So they're
3: pretty stoked for it. So I do want to say good. I really like your helmet shirt, Steven Sir. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I like helmet, very good band. They oh, are. Yeah.
1: I was listening to to them today at work.
3: And I like that the band. drummer played in Tomahawk with Mike Patton. Oh yes. Patton. General Patton. So Josh. I got something to talk to you all about. Oh no.
2: Tell yeah. us tell us.
3: I just might have to. So our uh our buddy, our drummer uh Mick from Redline, who's also yeah. in this awesome band called Tuning. Yeah. Is dropping a flexi, a two-song flexi from what? Indecision Records. What? Yes, our drummer, really? our friend Matt, is dropping a flexi, <laughs> <laughs> and he sent us these songs to listen to. And they're it. You know? Yeah, and we're gonna play. Uh, we're gonna play Dark Hours. Okay. He said he liked the other one the best. Uh, fireside chat is his preferred track, but I don't care because I like dark hours and we have control (laughs) of the podcast. So we're going to play that. I can send that to you. Matt plays guitar in this band. He also plays drum and discouraged. He is an all around hardcore dude. This dude is a hard work. This dude is a workhorse. Yes. In hardcore. Yes. And.
1: Go ahead. I was going to say he's also the guy if you've been to any shows in the California area and sometimes in other places where his band is played. He's the guy that does the crazy stage dives
3: yes. that yes. normally and, and his, get caught on photographs. In yes. his little in sh- his little tiny boy yes. shorts. High his fives
2: hoochie- and stage dives.
3: His <laughs> hoochie daddy shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so well. I'm excited because I, I, I like Discourage a lot but I really like tuning because I love the vocals. The vocals remind me, it reminds me of like old school AFI mixed with hardcore. And it's just so Mm. good. Really good. Yeah. And Matt recorded these songs. They were actually supposed to be demoed out tracks for their new album. And they actually liked them so much that they decided to release them as a promo. That's awesome. (laughs) And on a flexi. So I think we should just drop this track because it's, it's great. So let's drop, dark hours let's uh let's do it and uh enjoy everybody flex it
1: Was there it was good stuff? Really good stuff. Yeah.
2: Very good. Very good.
1: <laughs> Very good. Very hey, good. Wiley, what do you feel like when uh do you feel like you know you're in a, you're playing music? Because we play music with Matt with Redline. Was it uh-huh. how does it make you feel like your friends that play in other bands are better than, than yours?
3: well we've said this before I I said this before right (laughs) remember (laughs) yes we said that I said this in an episode before that like when the discouraged record came out yeah I was like man it makes me just want to quit because it's so good it's so good (laughs) and then I said I guess I did Right, ah,
1: <laughs> you did, but here's the thing: you did, and the and then to make up for it, you're like, "Well, fuck that! I'm just going to get him to play for my thing."
3: Yeah, I'm gonna st- I'm gonna be in a new band that Marco started, and I'm yeah. gonna have him play drums for it. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, I guess I did both. I quit, and then got and then got him for a band. You did. That's awesome. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, <sighs> So we probably should do
1: this part since it's the end of the show.
2: Yes, do that.
1: Um, Yes. Please share (laughs) and like this episode. Share, you know, uh, share it with your friends, people you know that would dig this kind of stuff. Uh, um, Help us get the word out. And uh, we have some exciting news. I haven't posted anything about this yet, but Uh but and hopefully by the time this episode comes out, people will discover it. But freaking, are you ready for this? Yeah. Freaking Amazon reached out to us. Oh, yeah. Legitly reached out to us and said, Hey, we would like your podcast to be a part of Audible. The and devil so himself. The devil right. himself, Amazon. <laughs> Fellas, we sold out <laughs> for millions, for millions, for zero dollars. <laughs> we didn't make shit. But there's part of me that's like, Amazon. And I know Wiley's feelings about Amazon. But on the flip mm. side, to think that that entity actually saw what we were doing or at least noticed it enough to go, that needs to be a part of our apps. So I don't know. I have mixed feelings. So yeah, you can, you, so we're Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, and now Audible. You can listen yeah. to your uh, Harry Potter book and then write it. A- <laughs> <laughs> you can listen to the latest episode of coffee and hardcore.
3: I'm for that. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm down. So yeah. I'll take it. I'll take so, it.
2: Okay. Yeah, get so, your Kindle and go bring coffee and hardcore in the other room and hang out for a
1: while. Yeah.
3: You yeah. Know? Why not? <laughs> get your Kindle.
1: <laughs> oh, oh goodness gracious.
3: So, so we're we're blowing up. Yeah, Worldwide. that's cool. <laughs> I pre- I appreciate all the hard work Thank you do, Meg.
1: Uh I didn't. That's because you were because I remember when I told you, you were like, "Dude, that's awesome! I can't believe you got that." I'm like, "I didn't do anything. I didn't nothing." Right. <laughs> it just
3: they sent us an email. Well, no, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, you do all the editing, and right? But still, we all you put, led, it, put it together. You led this. But, you led this episode, right? But still, you got the you got the radio man voice. The radio, uh, man uh, man uh, voice. Mick Cox. <laughs> I,
2: I actually did I've been secretly putting it in reviews on Amazon for months now. <laughs>
3: <laughs> knew it <laughs>
1: dude uh listen this is the weird thing like when i filled out all cuz you had there's a few there's not like a whole lot of things you have to fill out but you kind of have to get your rss and all this other stuff to them and then they they like put it in their system but you can legit just go to the amazon page and mm-hmm. type in coffee and hardcore podcast and it comes up like just on
2: the nice. amazon
3: page so does it it's, have all of our episodes now yes Wow. I can't wait for Every the reviews. Episode. If, if yeah. you ever
2: like if you ever don't have anything to do, go on Amazon and read Oh
1: god. Get yeah, read reviews for other stuff. It, Can you imagine like, if somebody like somebody starts reviewing <laughs> us like the the, right? the three wolf moon shirt. Yeah. Do you remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, oh man. I can't wait. Oh
2: god. You know it's going to happen too. Oh,
1: dude, so, I I'll, I'll dude, I will read them on the show if right? people write stuff like that. That'll be hilarious. <laughs>
3: Oh, we're in trouble. God yeah. help us. <laughs> yeah. All right. Jesus wept.
1: <laughs>
3: oh, gosh. I just well, like hanging out with you guys. So I do, too. This is the only reason why I want
1: to do the podcast is because every once in a while I get to come on and talk with you guys. I. I everybody else is like, what is going on? Hey, we're just hanging out. <laughs>
3: oh, geez. That's cool. Well, yeah, I guess this wraps up another episode. Yeah. Episode 18. All right. Well, give us, give us, give us, give us that skull crack outro to get us out of (laughs) here. Hey, Mick and Steven. Yeah. Yeah. Have I ever told you that I think you guys are really, 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 really great? No. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that I'm a bastard of a friend for not telling you that you guys are just so swell, so really great. Well, and you're and you're both you both have the physique of people who consistently eat cereal. Cereal, <laughs> and I think that's doggone great. If I had a bowl in front of me, I'd crunch us out of here. You'd crunch us out of here,
2: <laughs> Captain Crunch. Goodbye, fruity pebbles, baby.
3: Right? i oh, fruit fruity your pebbles. Am I right? <laughs> 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 last Recording. I last
2: stopped. Last time <laughs> someone went there, we had to delete that. Yeah.
3: Attack! <laughs> <laughs>
5: Bonnie, when I just
4: gotta have something fruity, I gotta have fruity pebbles. Right, Fred. Fruity pebbles taste fruity rooty rific yabba Yabba-dabba-fruity-doo.